All right. Well, hey, good morning. Happy Labor Day weekend. Hope you guys are having uh, a good weekend, getting some time off from work. My name is Caleb Baker. Uh, for those of you who don't know, I'm married to the, to the pretty guitarist up here, the, the, the girl with long hair. I know there's three guitarists up here, so I just want to clarify that this morning. <laughs> so, yeah, so I'm really excited to be uh, here with you this morning. The title of my message this morning is Working on Commission, and it's kind of a little play on words talking about works. You know, I figured since it was Labor Day, work was a good topic to discuss, and specifically the work that we do in relation to the Great Commission. Because the Great Commission is just a big word for the command that Jesus gave his disciples to go out and share the good news with everyone that they meet. And so that's what we're talking about this morning, specifically about uh, sharing our faith and what that looks like, how we do that. So I kinda, I'd like to begin this morning by asking a question. This question is kind of random, but hang with me. We are going somewhere with it. So how many of you, by show of hands, have ever tried to start a garden before? Okay, so a good amount of you. If you're good at gardening, if that's like your thing, I want you to give me like a green thumbs up. Like, yeah, that's me. A few of us, okay. Now, how many of you, by uh, thumbs down, if it's like I never garden, I've never tried because I figured I'd just kill it, anything I tried to grow anyways, anybody like that? Few, oh, a lot of people, wow. Especially in this section, yeah, okay. Cool. Yeah, so for me, back in high school, I decided I wanted to try to, to start a garden. And it was my sophomore year of high school, and I kind of just started reading more about nutrition and, and how it's important, what we're putting in our bodies. And because up to that point, I thought like five days a week at McDonald's was normal. Like, isn't that what you're supposed to eat? <laughs> and so I realized that's not the best health choice. So I went to Home Depot and I bought a little garden box. It kind of looked, yeah, like that. <clears throat> Mine was a little more crooked, though. It wasn't quite that nice. And so I put it outside. And I figured I was going to throw it outside, throw some seeds in there, and it was just going to grow. It's going to be like, good, all right, garden. Any of you who've gardened, who know what you're doing, like, there's a lot more work that goes into it than just that, right? First, you have to prepare the soil, get out all the rocks and all the roots. Then you have to make sure the soil is enriched enough for the seeds to grow. And after that, you can plant the seeds. I decided to plant lettuce, spinach, carrots, and onions for the four that I chose for my garden. And so I went out, and after the soil was prepared, I planted them all. I put them in rows. And I put like little signs so I knew what was what in there. And then I started kind of nurturing growth. That's the next step. So I watered it, made sure the soil was damp just enough so that the seeds could germinate. It's a big word. <laughs> but so I did all that. And then three months passed of constant work, keeping bugs away, keeping animals away. And it was time to harvest. And so I went out with this little basket. I pulled up the lettuce. It was great. All right, cool. You can kind of see it. The spinach was ready. Pulled that up. The onions, they're all right pick them up. But then I got to the carrots. The carrots were very sad looking. They were sad looking carrots. I have a picture for you over here. Uh, but basically, they didn't quite grow like I'd hoped. Yeah, they, they weren't even that big. Like, it was really sad. It was really sad. And so, but I was like, all right, well, I spent three months on it. So I took them all inside. I washed all these vegetables off. I chopped them up. And then for three months of labor, I got in return a single salad single serving salad. And it wasn't even like a full bowl of salad that you'd see at like Olive Garden, where you can like share it with other people. It was like a CC's pizza single garden salad on like one of those clear plastic, like a pathetic salad. And so I tell everyone, I'm like, that was the best salad I've ever eaten in my life. It really wasn't. But I have to say that, otherwise I'll burst into tears, realizing I spent three months of my life 
for a single garden side salad. Very sad. The reason I share that story with you this morning is because I think there's a lot of analogies that we can draw between gardening and the physical growth that we see there with, with plants and the spiritual growth that we hope to see in ourselves and in other people as well. And most of us who are Christians know that we should be sharing our faith. We know that's something that Jesus commanded us. But if we're honest, sometimes it's kind of awkward. It's kind of uncomfortable to share our faith with other people. And that kind of leads us to a question this morning. You know, what is our role when it comes to sharing our faith? And more specifically, is it our role in sharing our faith to get someone saved? Is that our role? Is that our responsibility? Is that our job? And even more so, what about friends and family who we've maybe poured into over a course of years, decades even, and we haven't seen any growth in their life? And what about maybe sons or daughters or brothers, sisters, parents who've maybe taken a few steps back from their faith? What are we supposed to do with them? What's our responsibility there? Is our role in sharing our faith to get someone saved? These are the questions we're going to be answering this morning. So if you have your Bible, you can go ahead and open it to the book of 1 Corinthians. We're going to be in chapter 3. So 1 Corinthians chapter 3. If you don't have a Bible, that's okay. You can follow along with the verses on the screen. But before we jump in here, I want to give you a little bit of context. So the book of 1 Corinthians was written by a guy named Paul. And Paul was an apostle of Jesus Christ. And so after everything happened with Jesus, Paul went out and he started sharing the good news in surrounding towns and countries. And he went to this place called Corinth. And he kind of established the church there. And he helped people grow. But then he left. And then there was a guy named Apollos who came after him. And he kind of helped nurture growth there. And if you've read anything about Apollos, you can find him in the book of Acts. But he was a guy who was like a fantastic communicator. And so what was happening here with the people in Corinth is they began arguing over who they followed between Paul and Apollos. They were like, they were basically comparing the two, saying, well, no, Apollos is better. Well, no, Paul's better. And it, it just got really sad, and it was kind of like, who's the better communicator? Who's the better speaker? Who's the better pastor? And I'm just so glad that today, you know, in the church, we never struggle with that. Like, that's never an issue for us. <coughs> Cough, cough. Uh, <laughs> we're going to pick up here in 1 Corinthians 3, chapter 4. This is what Paul says. He says, For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere human beings? What, after all, is Apollos, and what is Paul? Only servants, through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. What I want you to see here in this verse, the main point that Paul's making, is he immediately takes away any reason for the people to continue fighting. He says, listen, I, myself, Paul, and Apollos, we're servants. We shouldn't be placed on a pedestal. Like, that's it. We're just servants, and we serve God who's assigned his task to us. Paul continues in verse 6, and he says, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. I want to read that one more time. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. You know, this is really big. I think this is really huge for us this morning because the questions that we were just asking a minute ago, you know, what's our role when it comes to sharing our faith? Are we responsible? Is it our role to get someone saved? What Paul is saying here is he's saying, listen, I planted, 
Apollos watered, but God is the one who made, made it grow. God is responsible for the spiritual growth of other people. All we're called to do is to plant in water seeds. And so what that means for us this morning is it is not our job to save people. That's not our role. That's not what we're called to do. And this should cause us to take like a deep sigh of relief, right? Like, whew, man, like a huge burden is just lifted off of our shoulders. Like, all right, you got this, God. And we can kind of take it the other way. Like, all right, God, I guess you got this. Like, you're going to produce the growth, right? So I'm just going to sit back. I'm going to relax. I'm going to watch you do your thing. But what did Paul and Apollos do? They didn't just sit back and do nothing, right? They planted and they watered seeds. And that's our job. That's really our role. It's pretty simple, but our role is just to open up our life and then take the seeds that we've been given, our experiences, and we plant them. Our life stories, we plant those. Our knowledge about the Bible, we plant these seeds in the lives of other people. And then we water it. And we water it with love. We water it with service. We water it with sacrifice in the life of other people. And then God produces the growth. All we're called to do is to plant seeds and to water them. We're going to continue now in verse 7. Paul goes on to say, So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. So Paul's emphasizing, again, that it is God who produces the growth. You know, thinking back to that garden that I started in high school. You know, there's literally nothing that I could have done to produce growth in that garden. Like, I couldn't go out to the garden at 2 a.m., and then just kneel down to the garden and be like, come on, little buddy, like, grow for me. Like, just, just a few leaves, like, just come out. Even though I only planted you, like, this morning, like, come on, grow. Like, I couldn't go out and do that and produce any growth. All I could do was provide the environment where growth is possible. And this is really big, for both for other people's spiritual growth, but also for our own this morning. What are we responsible for when it comes to our own spiritual growth? Are we responsible to grow spiritual, to produce spiritual growth in ourselves? Well, what Paul says is God produces the growth. All we're called to do is to provide an environment where growth can happen. And when it comes to others, it's the same concept. Our job is to provide an environment for growth to happen by planting and watering. And that's it. And that's why you're constantly encouraged to read your Bible and to pray and to get involved in a small group and to attend worship services on Sunday. It's not because people on church staff just want to add more to your to-do list. <laughs> like, it's not because we're just trying to make you busy. It's because the best way for you to grow spiritually is to be in the right environment where growth can occur. We're going to wrap up here with verse 8 and 9. Paul says, The one who plants 
and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field. Now, when I first read this, I kind of skipped over it. I'm like, all right, Paul, you're kind of repeating yourself. And so I, I just jumped over. I totally missed it. I read it again. Didn't really find anything. Read it one more time. And then something kind of stood out to me. And I don't want us to miss this this morning because I think this is a really big deal. In the beginning of verse 8, Paul says, The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose. Well, who's that? Paul is referencing what he said back in verse 6. I planted, Apollos watered. So here Paul's talking about himself and Apollos. And he goes on to say, For we are co-workers in God's service. You were God's field. Well, who's he writing this to? The church in Corinth. The people in the church in Corinth. So when Paul says, For we are co-workers in God's service, he's talking about, not the church in Corinth, he's talking about himself in Apollos. So in Paul's mind, the people in the church in Corinth were not co-workers in God's service. They were God's field. They were the mission field. So to Paul, the people in the church who followed, said they followed Jesus, right? They are, in Paul's mind, the mission field. They're not co-workers in God's service. And so that begs us this morning to ask the question, well, why? Why would Paul say that? And to understand this, we kind of have to back up a little bit to the beginning of chapter 3. So chapter 3, verse 1, Paul says, Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? And so here, Paul is explaining that the reason he doesn't consider them to be co-workers in God's service, the people in the church in Corinth, is because they're still spiritually immature. They're not planting and watering seeds in other people's lives. They're living kind of a self-focused life spirituality. And this is kind of tough this morning, what I'm about to say. And so when I say it, I want you to know that I'm saying it out of love. But you know, there's some of you who have been involved in the church for a long time, for years, decades even. And if we were to have a one-on-one conversation, we were to sit down, you would probably tell me, you know, I haven't really planted or watered any seeds in anyone else's life. The majority of my, of my spiritual walk has been kind of focused on myself. And if that's you this morning, I want to encourage you by saying it makes absolutely no difference what's happened in the past. We can't change the past. We can't go back and, you know, get a do-over. But we can change what we do today. We can change the decisions that we make tomorrow. And we can begin to plant and water seeds in the lives of other people. And God can produce amazing growth from that. But then there's others of you here who have planted and watered seeds in other people's lives. And so if that's you this morning, then I just want to encourage you. You know, seeds are kind of amazing because there's some seeds that can germinate and begin growing in three days, as little as three days. But then there's other seeds that can take as long as 50 years before they ever germinate, before you ever see any sign of growth. 
And so some of you who have continued to plant and water seeds, you just need to be encouraged this morning that what you're doing is not in vain. The seeds that you're planting and how you're watering those seeds, it's not in vain. Sometimes it just takes a very long time to see any growth from that, any physical growth. And so right now, I kind of want to move into what I call the four stages of spiritual growth. And what this is about is it's, it's basically like a lens through which we can kind of see where different people are in their walk with God leading up to a decision to follow Jesus. And so if you're not a Christian here this morning, you say, well, I, don't, I wouldn't really say I actually follow Jesus, you could probably find yourself in one of these four stages. Those of us who are Christians, who do say that we follow Jesus, this should help you in your conversations with people who, who don't yet follow Christ and how, how you can kind of figure out where they're at. So people in stage one, I call that preparing the soil. And these are people who have probably been in environments that are really rough, that are counterproductive to any kind of spiritual growth. The environments that they're in may be filled with alcohol, drug abuse, physical abuse, profanity, and you know, belittling their entire life. And so these people, they need to be loved. They need to be served, they need to be cared for. Then we have people in stage two, which I call planting the seeds. These are people who may be coming to a church service once or twice, they maybe have been around the church and they're kind of starting to ask some questions, just big picture, like, is there a God? What is Christianity all about? Who is Jesus? And they need to be cared for and loved and shown the gospel. And then we have people in stage three, nurturing growth. These are people who've kind of started coming to church more regularly, and they're starting to ask more personal questions, like, how do I become a Christian? What does it mean to follow Jesus? And these are people who need to be shown the way, need to be encouraged and loved. And then finally, stage four, taking time to harvest. These are people who've gotten to the point where they're ready to make a decision to follow Jesus. And this is an amazing stage to be at. But I wanna, I wanna point out that at this stage, it's not like, all right, they prayed a prayer, they got baptized, now, boom, we'll see you later, buddy, good luck. Like, I feel like sometimes that's what we can have a tendency to do, and it's like, all right, on to the next one. You're good. But that's not really how spiritual growth works. It takes time. They're still, as Paul said, they're still infants in the faith. So those are the four stages of spiritual growth. Now what I wanted to do is share what I call three strategies for sharing your faith. And that's for those of us who are looking to go out and start sharing our faith and just some, some tips that can help you to make it less awkward to make it less uncomfortable. So here's the first one. It's be real. You know, my wife and I in college, we, we started taking improv classes because we were bored. So, so we went and signed up at a place called Sack Comedy Lab. And that's this little improv comedy place in Orlando. It's actually uh, where a guy named Wayne Brady, who's on Who's Line Anyway, that's where he got his start, is at this, this comedy club there. And so we took improv classes, and we were able to go and attend shows for free so we could kind of watch the more higher, higher up, like kind of pros, see how they do it. And one night after the show was over, a guy who was in our class, he came and he asked, he's like, hey, man, would you like to, to go next door to the bar to grab a few drinks? Now, my wife and I, we don't drink. Um, if you do drink, that's a non-issue for me. Uh, but he asked that, and I'm, like, I'm trying to figure out, I'm like, well, what do I say? 
in this situation. And so I didn't know what else to do. And so the only thing that came out kind of caught me off guard. I said, uh, no, nah, we already ate, man. <laughs> and it was like super awkward. And it was like really uncomfortable. And so we ended up actually going next door uh, to the bar. And nobody bought any drinks. I don't know if I made them uncomfortable by saying that or what happened. But nobody bought any drinks. So we actually got kicked out of the bar because we wouldn't buy drinks. So that was interesting. But my point in sharing that with you is just be real. Like, what I should have done was just said, hey, man, you know, my wife and I, we just don't drink. That's just kind of our choice. It doesn't make any difference to me whether or not you do drink. Like, I'll go next door. We can hang out, and you can grab a beer, and we'll just talk. That's what I should have said. So I want to encourage you, be real. Number two, be relevant. And all I really have to say about this is, you know, Jesus was and always will be relevant. The Bible was and always will be relevant. Our job is simply to share that relevance with other people. And it takes some work to be relevant through the scriptures. Like we have to, we have to kind of dive in. You know, the Bible says God's word is living and active. It's our job to kind of uncover that and apply that today so we can help people see that, that the saving message of Jesus Christ, the gospel, is applicable to people in their life today. So number one, be real. Number two, be relevant. And number three, be ready. In high school, there was a guy, his name was Tito. He came to me and he asked about my faith. And this was the first time I'd ever been approached, ever been someone really asking about my faith. And I didn't really know what to say. I didn't really know what to, how to respond. And so all I did was I shared my story. I shared my experience with how I came to know Jesus. And I realized that in doing that, I was real, I was relevant, and apparently I was ready. When it comes to sharing our faith, really all we have to do is share our story. Like, we don't have to go in the book of Leviticus, get out the Bible dictionary, and like start translating Hebrew words. <laughs> it's not that complicated. All we have to do is share our story. And the final thing I want to say is to never forget the power of prayer. So the guy Tito that I just, just mentioned, him and another guy named Justin were two guys that I played basketball with in high school. And one of these guys had never had a relationship with Jesus. The other guy had kind of taken some steps back from his faith. And so I started praying for these two guys. And I prayed for them pretty much every night for about six months. And I kind of got discouraged because I, there was no growth. I wasn't seeing any growth in their lives. And so it was kind of disappointing. Within one night, about six months after I'd been praying for him pretty consistently, there was a chapel in high school. And we had a small school, it's about 300 of us. And so at the end of the service, the pastor came up and he kind of made a little altar call. And he's like, hey, if you'd like to come and rededicate your life to Jesus, come forward. So out of all the 300 kids that we had there, two people came up and rededicated their life. And those two people were my friend Justin and my friend Tito two guys I've been praying for for six months. And so to me, I was like, whoa, like God, you answered that prayer. Like you produced the growth. I planted seeds, I watered them, but you produced the growth and you did it in your timing. There's nothing that I did. It's what God did. And so the takeaway for this morning, I want you to pull out your bulletin. And on the bottom of your bulletin, 
there's a little line, it's a takeaway, <clears throat> and there's just a blank, a blank line there. And what I want you to do this morning is I want you to think of a name, the name of a person that you believe God is leading you to plant and water seeds in this week. And as the band comes up in just a few minutes, as they play a song called Amazing Grace, I want you to pray for that person after you write their name down on this line. I want you to pray that God would give you an opportunity to pour into their life, to plant some seeds and to water them, that God would help provide an environment for them where, they, where spiritual growth can happen, and that God would, would just help us to continue to develop the environment where they can grow spiritually. And I believe, and I know, that if we do that, if we continue to plant and water seeds in people's lives, that God can produce amazing growth from that. This grew just really quickly here before your eyes. You're welcome. Not really. <laughs> Magic trick. <sighs> so as the band comes up, write down that name. Pray for that person. And then this week, plant some seeds, water some seeds in their life. Let's pray. God, I'm just so thankful for the opportunity that we have to plant seeds and water seeds in other people's lives. It's just amazing that you've created your plan of salvation includes us, that we can play a role in the eternal destiny of someone else's life. And, you know, in sharing our faith, all that means, all faith is, is our receptivity to God's activity. And so in us doing that, and us sharing our faith, I pray that we remember that we're just sharing our story, that we're just being receptive to the moving of your Holy Spirit, and that through that, you can produce amazing growth. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.